this is Monroe Stone. I'm from Stowe, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? <laughs> You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate fifty for wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour of the Barbecue Central show. This show talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling, and the show originating from Palm City, USA, Cleveland. In the open to that second hour, you hear Gary Vaynerchuk talking about Charbono, Charbono dude, and Lavernius, shut your face. Hit me! Well, as I had mentioned in the top of the first hour, my oldest daughter, Bobby, is reconnecting all these old files, about 10 years worth of old files to the shows, so they can be enjoyed once again. And in 2008, September, some point 2008, and I have it listed in the title, first ever Gary Vaynerchuk interview. That's when those two sound bites were dropped all the way back 14, 15 years ago. You had Gary V talking about Charbono and also about Lavernius Cole, who was at a one-time New York Jets wide receiver. And this was back when Brett Favre, I think, was going to be the quarterback leaving Green Bay and and that was a long time ago Charlie so the reconnection of these shows is absolutely magical been very happy that we're actually doing that so you can listen to the complete show archives if you have nothing better to do with your life still to come on the show this evening Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hey HeyGrillHey.com and we say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms of course Facebook and Twitch can be found at slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch over on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And we have the YouTube poll question of the week. Holy crap. Still at a 50-50 deadlock, we have yes and no. So, and we are deadlocked. 50% of you think... That griddles, not Blackstone solely, but griddles as a whole, are going to command 40% of the market? Do we understand the question? And again, not... Andrew, you are not... Not a griddle hater. Not a griddle hater. I'm just saying, as a command, can you imagine... Whatever business you're in. Now, maybe you're lucky enough where you can just immediately rifle back a yes to me. But can you imagine if you were in a business or maybe you're in business right now, whatever that sector is, you command 40% of that market. 
when we're talking about 40% of uh, griddle command of the 40% of the market over offset cookers, over pellet cookers, over gas grills, over charcoal smokers, over charcoal grills, over electric grills, over electric smokers, all of those which have proven to be gas grills still far outranking everything else as far as popularity and what's in the backyard right now. Do you really think that griddling is going to command 40% of the market? Like what drops off? Don't tell me ceramic cookers because I don't want to hear about it. I'm falling in love all over again with ceramic cookers. But we can't make up our minds on the show. We're deadlocked at 50-50. Still to come on the best, or should I say still to come, coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 295. We're taking you back to August 26, 2016. And this is part two of the Barry Martin or CB interview. And in this particular segment, we focus a lot on tailgating, as we've mentioned here a couple times over the last few weeks. Tailgating is coming on board. We actually talk about the hallowed halls or parking lots of the Muni lot here in downtown Cleveland. We also talk about preparing for the tailgate and having checklists and assigning responsibilities and practicing safety at tailgates, which can be hard to do depending on what kind of tailgating you do. I went back, did a little digging on this whole nickname of his, CB, and I believe what I am able to determine is that since Barry did some work for Charbroil at one point, fairly substantial, CB are the initials for Charbroil, and hence CB Martin. It makes sense to me, and that's the more uh, interesting way that I try to figure it out. And as I had mentioned in the four-parter that John did a number of weeks ago with my sister and her college roommate and myself, Listen to these shows in chronological order. So first, if you're just hearing this for the first time, you're just finding the show for the first time, you're going to listen to your best, your first best moments this coming Friday. Don't listen to episode 295 first. Go back to 294, then listen to 295. This will ensure proper listening chronology. Make sure that you understand how the conversation's flowing, and then you can go from there. You can also subscribe to the show by visiting... The BBQ Central Show.com slash subscribe. And there's a number of different ways that you can do that. And again, by Friday at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're going to have a fully connected nearly 1,500 episodes of the Barbecue Central Show archive. Fully working. Don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that might be lost in these archives that will now be fully working, you can email our pal John. J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you would like to hear and he'll do his best to meet your expectations. The famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series was in San Jose this past weekend. And I didn't update that on my thing, which I apologize for. And the winner of this past event in San Jose, or should I say winners, Overall grand, Ryan Pang from Old Greenwood Barbecue. And reserving was Carlo Carlos Lopez from Los Mexicutioners. <laughs> so congratulations to them. 
And there will be the next Famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series coming this weekend, Saturday, August 19th, in Rancho Cucamonga, California. React to me! City of Industry! San Luis Obispo! And other cities in California. You have to live there to understand what just happened there. Otherwise, you're like, what the F? Get that big stuff out of here. I know you've all been waiting for the rundown of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame visit and the visit from Meathead from AmazingRibs.com this past weekend. But guess what? I have nothing for you as it relates to the Rock Hall. Why? Because my streak of not going to the Rock Hall remains intact 100%. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can this be? You talked about it Tuesday last week. You had made firm plans. You reconfirmed those plans late on Friday. This was slated to go down on Saturday. Well, I'm here to tell you, the meeting at the Rock Hall never happened. It didn't happen. How did it not happen? Great question. The simple answer is this. Meathead was at the airport on time, got into the security line. The line was a little bit longer than normal. He put a suitcase through the TSA security thing. His bag was flagged, gets pulled out of the line, quickly tested. Excuse me, Meathead? Yes. Uh, Officer Johnny John from the TSA. I've got good news and bad news. What's the good news? Uh, There is no good news. What's the bad news? The bad news is you have explosives in your bag. Meathead's rubs tested positive for explosives. Now, any other area in the country this is going down, maybe not that big of a deal. In the airport... I mean, we know what's happened, right? September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. That's a problem. So, Meathead says, look, these are just rubs. There's not even peppers in these. How can they be explosive? He's further detained in the detainment room where the other malfeasance and ne'er-do-wells are running around. I mean, heaven forbid Meathead has to associate with the run-amucks that are going around there. And they have to bring in... Uh, advanced testing kits and they're going through the whole thing it's, it's testing positive for explosives well keep the rubs I gotta go make a plane I gotta go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City you ain't going nowhere pal sit your ass down you have explosives in your suitcase you're gonna miss that flight and if things don't go well for you you're gonna miss the next flight and you might miss life cause that's what you might be doing in prison now, luckily, everything tested out all right. In a strange twist of fate, they gave him his rubs back. Our mistake, sir. Well, he missed his flight, so he had to rebook. So he got in a few hours later, thusly canceling our trip to the Rock Hall, thusly keeping my streak of never going to the Rock Hall alive, which I don't mind. And we did make it to Larder Delicatessen on West 29th Street in Hingetown, where if you follow me on social, you saw the feast that we ate. And more importantly, 
the genuine best human being on the face of the earth is Jeremy Umansky, one of the proprietors of Larder. And he spent copious amounts of time explaining how all this stuff is being made and what the flavor profiles we should have in our mouth, making a number of drinks, the Koji Lime Ricky, the Koji Cherry Lime Ricky, the root beer, egg cream, you name it. He had a veritable cornucopia of food to eat for us. And then he allowed time for Meathead to ask Koji questions about the book that he's writing because he's doing a chapter on coaching more than gracious pictures taking uh expressions of love being thrown about between these two is great if i had to pick between missing larder and missing the rock and roll hall of fame i'm missing the rock and roll hall of fame every time you damn right anyway that's what happened no rock hall recap didn't happen explosive rubs amazingribs.com's rubs they are the bomb <laughs> amazingribs.com rubs explosive flavor <laughs> amazingribs.com flavor so explosive the TSA will stop you <laughs> No, that's it. All right, Susie Bullock is going to be joining us here in just a second. So we will step away briefly and be back with Susie right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Renfe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a professional. It's definitely a cooker you want to add to that arsenal. You visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. And if you're a badass, you say, screw the pit barrel cooker. I want that badger barrel because I'm a badger. Which can be found at badgerbarrel.com. Uh, look, guys in the instant chat, I mean, you guys are talking about nonsense when it's coming to the griddling, cooking whole packers and ribs and all this stuff. I mean, look, I get you love it. Maybe we'll get Susie's opinion here in just one second. By the way, leading off the second hour and joining me for her quarterly appearance in 2023, the creator of the Hay Grill Hay brand and associated landscapes and products, a TV competitor and judge and a content creator and recipe developer, Susie Bullock joining us once again here on the show. Susie, I can't hear you. No. Is the, wait, is the mute button on? Is there a mute button? Todd, come here! <laughs> no problem. We'll just relax and... 
have a little get down time here. Hey, there he is, handsome Todd. So let's try this. Let's uh, close all the way out. Uh, if it's hooked up, um, just close back out of the browser and then come back in and everything should probably hook up. So go ahead and do that and wait for reconnection here in just one second. But getting back to you weirdos in the instant chat, a guy, the cooking Sam is talking about, well, maybe he's anti-griddling. I don't know. Where did it say? Uh, oh, yeah. A buzzed barbecue. Brisket on the Blackstone is coming soon. Really? Uh-oh. How about now? Yes, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Perfect. I'm so sorry. I feel like you Have you been kidnapped and, and thrown in a cavern or something? This is our dark cavern. This is Todd's office oh, slash wow. man cave. We painted it dark to match his soul. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> All right. Well, Todd becoming butts of jokes. Look, uh, we have YouTube poll questions of the week that we need to get to, and then I didn't yes. realize this, but I have two other follow-up questions before we actually talk about something barbecue and grilling related on an agenda standpoint. The YouTube poll question of the week is this. Last week, I had Roger Dalion from Blackstone, and he said, from a whole standpoint on the segment, that griddles could command 40% of the live fire market, yes or no, in agreeance. I'm going to say potentially, but I don't think it will sustain that level of commitment from the community. And here's why. Um, I feel like the griddle is matching in like trajectory with similar cooking appliances like the instant pot for example where there's a large increase in popularity very quickly um but then once people own them how regularly are they rebuying them i think it very similarly tracks like the barbecue boom of 2020 where everybody wanted grills all the time, followed by the barbecue bust of 2022 and 2023, where now these companies are really struggling to move product. Um, I think that a lot of people will purchase a griddle and I think it'll hold a large market share as it's trending, but I don't know if we'll be able to maintain that level of the market share for a really long time. Cause you're probably not gonna continue to buy a griddle every three years or four years, if that makes sense. So do you think it will ever reach a 40% market share? It's yes or no. I don't know. No. I'm with you. No. Here, here's what I, I told. I told Stephen Reichlin this first hour. I think there's one thing holding it back from 40% and maybe even greater, which is this. And I'm comparing this only to a uh, gas grill because these are running on the same fuel. So with the griddle, you have the propane burners underneath the uh, the flat top cooking section but then you have a propane gas grill that just has the grill grates above the burners of course so i think what you're missing or what's not going to put you over the edge to get you 40 plus on that market share is the fact that you miss that key component of flavor not for everything but for those traditional grilled meats hamburgers hot dogs steaks chicken what happens when you put them on the fat starts to render goes down onto the burners it smokes vaporizes whatever you want to call it and it soaks back and perfumes the meat and that gives you that grilled flavor. Yes, even with gas, losers, you're going to get that stuff. So don't come at me yeah. with gas grilling. But you don't 
get that with griddle cooking. You're going to have to supplement it somehow or do some other weird thing that isn't just inherent by using it because the griddle takes that whole flavor component away, which I think leads you to not getting to 40% that Roger Daly hoped that he might at some point. Uh, We'll see. Have you ever gone through TSA with... (laughs) rubs in your backpack and then oh been pulled off to the side so many rubs taken from me in airports have they tested um, explosive though i've never had them test for explosives i've just had them say <laughs> we don't allow powders over three ounces mm-hmm. unless it's baby formula hmm. that's just that's the, that's the tsa rule it's in everything you don't bring powders over three ounces same with liquids um so they've confiscated them for that purpose but my favorite thing is the memphis airport after memphis in may they have signs up everywhere like your sauces <laughs> and rubs are not fit for your carry-on luggage you must check them like at the ticket counter there is a sign that i took a picture of that's like you cannot bring those through tsa please do not try um but i made the mistake one time we were at a conference and i brought rubs for everybody to take home and i had people sending me photos from the tsa check line of like oh they took them a couple other people they did say go ahead and swab them once they swab them they let them keep them so (laughs) it just depends i think on your tsa agent (laughs) so if you if you check it this is all spawning from the thing that happened to Meathead when he yeah. was coming to see me. So his rubs <laughs> popped for explosive, and then it was yeah. it was a whole thing. If he would have checked them, that wouldn't have been an issue. Not or, a problem. But no. what if there was really explosives in there? Like I, then I have well, a problem. It only would have been a problem if I mean, and they probably didn't swab his whole bag. It was probably just the surface of the rub, or they opened it itself, and there was something that triggered. But most likely, if it's in a checked bag. You're not going to get your rub bottle swabbed hmm. for explosives. Yeah, it was crazy. So uh, with the popularity of griddle cooking right now, like what would be the the most aggressive in a barbecue food that you would do on the griddle? I have people in the instant chat talking about doing a whole brisket or racks of ribs or things like this. Like where do you draw the line or do you not? I mean, you can cook brisket and ribs, but it's not barbecue. It's just yeah, but I feel like that would be ribs and griddled brisket. It's not barbecue. It's just it, it would it would be similar to uh, throwing it under a broiler and then braising it in your oven if you yeah. wrapped it in foil, for example. Um, there, there's just it's not going to be barbecue. Doesn't mean you can't make delicious things on a griddle. I like griddles. I have several griddles. I cook lots of things on griddles. Yeah. Um, but I think it does a couple of things really, really well. Um, you know, searing capabilities on a griddle that you can get that consistent, even leveled heat is magical. Uh, and I think there's a lot of great things you can do on a griddle. Do I think there's things that you can do on a griddle that you can't do in a pan? No, it's very, to me, it's very similar to just cooking in a skillet mm-hmm. in a cast iron skillet or, you know, in a really wide pan. You and Todd have gone to Memphis in May, uh, you know, handful of times taken part in competitions, yeah. whatever it's in peril. Uh, I think as I'm going to talk about <laughs> next segment, it's going to leave Tom Lee Park uh, starting next year. Uh, it's not going to be there anymore. As somebody who's attended it, and you know, we've talked about like why anybody would want to go if you're a cook or if you're just a fan, whatever. If it's not at Tom Lee Park, how big of a deal is that to you as somebody who's seen it and been around it so many times? 
So I'm pretty new to the barbecue community in terms of Memphis and May and the people who attend. There are people that have been going there for decades. And I understand the history and the location and the nostalgia and the ambiance. It's a beautiful location. Um, but I was also there in May and saw firsthand the level of damage that happened to that beautiful park space. And it might not be the best location for this type of event with this level of foot traffic, the amount of trucks and equipment and material that has to be hauled in and out. Like it just, it might not be the best location with what the city of Memphis has it slated for. So hopefully they're able to find somewhere that accommodates everybody as best as they can. It still has great ambiance, but I think a majority of people go to cook and they go to see their friends and the barbecue family and be a part of that community. And I think that experience can happen whether it's in Tom Lee Park or somewhere else. Do you think, just on your own guess, that $1.4 million of damage was done to that park that you saw? <laughs> it was real bad. Oh, really? Like, it was it was in, it was in terrible condition. Oh. It had rained so significantly leading up to Loden. Um, everyone that I talked to that had dealt with Loden, they were tearing up grass just trying to get their trucks and trailers onto the property. Oh. Like anything that had been put down, you don't see it because everybody orders flooring underneath their tents. So anything yeah. that was grass underneath the flooring, that flooring had to be put there. The tents had to be put up. And usually that's with, with large, heavy machinery that's running over it. There was mud and dirt and grass coming up between all of the floorboards. There was like, I just can't even imagine some of the hardscape stayed that was like trees and plants that were in between walkways. But I think all of the open space would have been a total loss. It was just, it was, it was a muddy mess. <laughs> Are you watching barbecue TV right now? Barbecue USA or barbecue yes. ball? You watching both? Yes. Yes. Which one's better? Oh my gosh. Um, I think Barbecue USA gives you a better look at what competition barbecue on the circuit is yes. really like. Right. Um, I think Mike Simon does an amazing job. Of, he, he just loves barbecue. So he wants to showcase it in its best light. And he wants to show people what it feels like to be in the tent or in the trailer prepping the food. And you might not get all the secrets, but you walk away with some really cool tips that are outside the realm of what most backyard cooks are expecting or aware of. So I think there are some really fun takeaways as well as being, you know, entertaining. Um, barbecue brawl is just a fun show. It's not a barbecue show. It's a grilling show. Um, but it's, it's fast paced. It's competitive. I think these challenger or the competitors are really challenged. Uh, with the type having been on the show and knowing how quickly it moves and the type of challenges you're issued at the last minute, like you have to be a good cook. It's not enough to be a good barbecue cook. That's a totally different world, right? Where you're cooking the same four meats every weekend, or if you have a restaurant, you're copy pasting the same menu and just improving little tweaks all the time to reach that level of perfection for those things. When it comes to these competition barbecue challenges where you have a limited time frame, a limited pantry, and you have to get really creative, it pushes the boundaries on what typical barbecue chefs are capable of. And it, it, it's, it's really, it's fun for me to watch. I think people get really creative in that space. And I like seeing the creativity on the show. If you were on the show this season, would you be kicking everybody's ass? No, no. no? Christy would definitely be kicking my butt. Really? 
<laughs> so my first season, um, I think one of the reasons that I was able to make it so far was they brought in the heavy hitters of competition barbecue. You made it to the end. Um, you didn't make it so I far. Did. You made it to the end. I made it pretty far. Okay. I made yeah. it pretty far. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the reasons that I was able to make it as far as I did is because my cooking background is very, very different than the people that they brought into the show. The people that were on my season were very much restaurateurs and competitive barbecue cooks. I was a food blogger whose job is literally developing and writing recipes. So if they gave me a challenge, I had something in my back pocket that I'd already cooked, that I had tested, that I knew would work and that I could put into play. I didn't have to be as creative on the fly because I already had something developed that I had worked on previously. So it gave me a lot of ease in that space. But now on these later iterations of Barbecue Brawl, I feel like they're bringing in more chefy types. Mm that have that, you know, recipe development background and the traditional barbecue chefs aren't making it quite as long, it seems, but I'm, I'm all in for Christy. She's my favorite and I love her and I cheer for her every week. <laughs> uh, Rusty Monson from Salt City Barbecue says he can't watch the show because he's such good friends with Christy. It causes him consternation. So he chooses oh, not to watch worst. it. Per- Same for you, but you'll watch it at least. <laughs> Yes, I have to watch it. I have to watch it and I have to cheer her on. Would you go back on if you were invited? They actually invited me to go back on (laughs) and I wrote, they were like, we've been looking at your Instagram profile. We think you'd be a great fit. And I wrote back and I was like, I've been on the show. And they're like, oh, oh bad, sorry. Oh, you're that like, Susie. I made, it to, I made it to the finale episode of the first season. Like, how far wow. back did you research? Yeah. And they were like, oh, our bad. If you know anyone, let us know. Oh, weird. So I did get invited back, but they wouldn't have me for a second round. Got it. Uh, so that's all nonsense. Let's talk about the real deal here. First of all, look at this guy. I love your shirt. It's a great-looking shirt. I always love when my guests dress me, which I certainly appreciate. But more importantly <laughs> than that, look what we have here. We have a smoke Aww. and fried wing kit. Look at this. Isn't it so pretty? Get me out of here. So I have, let's talk about the kit itself and what's the inspiration for a smoke-fried wing kit, by the way. Yes. So we have our lineup of rubs and sauces, right? I got my six rubs and my six sauces, but um, we were getting a lot of questions from people who wanted things for events or specific times. So our first kit ever was our smoked turkey kit last year. We sold out of those in a week and people were just so excited to have kind of this start to finish all in one option for their holiday dinner. So that led to us rolling out our ham kit. And then we have a barbecue hero trio. That's our gift set. And then this is our fourth and final kit. This is the wing kit. And this is specifically designed for those like tailgating fantasy football drafts, college football weekends. Uh, If you want to be the talk of the town and have like the best fright or like the best wings of your life, this is the goal with the kit is that it's an all in one start to finish best wings of your life. Because a lot of times, okay, we've got our sweet rub, which is our top selling rub that acts as kind of the base layer of flavor. It's a brown sugar, smoked paprika based rub, right? Very traditional award-winning barbecue rub. We love it. Uh, So you're going to smoke the wings at 225, get them really, really good and smoky. The second product in there is the crispy chicken wing batter. And this was the hardest pain in my butt to develop of any recipe or product I have ever put to market. Um, Frying, battering something that is hot is incredibly difficult. Anytime you're battering and frying something, you're usually starting with cold product, which causes the batter to cling but we were taking the wings straight from the smoker into the batter. So I had to develop a batter that would work and fry on a hot item 
So that was very difficult, but we nailed it. It gives you this perfect thin, like I don't like a battered wing that doesn't look like a chicken wing anymore. Mm. Like it has so much on the outside of it that it just looks like a chicken nugget. Um, it's very thin. It's very crispy. It's a seasoned batter. It happens to be gluten-free also, which mm-hmm. is great for my gluten-free friends. Uh, it's a mix of like rice flour and cornstarch and all of these different seasonings that create another layer of flavor on the outside. Now you can serve them naked because it's got the sweet rub underneath, or you can add a bunch of different sauces. They're fantastic. But the last thing in there is magic. It's the sweet heat chicken wing glaze. And it's kind of uh, my take on a uh, buffalo, like a sweet buffalo. Doesn't that look so pretty? Very oh pretty. my gosh, the colors are so fun. Um, but it gives you sweet up front and this spicy buffalo at the end. And when you pour it on the hot wings right out of the fryer, it kind of candies around the outside. Oh, yes. So you get this super sticky, but the batter stays crunchy. The batter had to stay crunchy under sauce also. It was very difficult. Uh, but it, I, they're the best wings you'll ever have. And I think having it all in one makes it really easy because everybody loves a smoked wing, but the outside gets rubbery. Yep. And then you're like, oh, what do I do with this rubbery chicken skin? So then you have to grill it, but you lose the smoke flavor. This gives you everything all in one. Plus you get tiny wing wipes. Right here. To clean oh. your fingers from the sticky but wait. sauce. You also get a great picture of what the <laughs> wing should like, and you get a whole recipe card in this as well so yep. you've really thought about everything and it comes all and in one tiny package for 35 bucks i mean give me a break and you have enough batter for like if you're doing you let's can say, do up to 10 pounds of wings with right. it yes it's glorious it will feed many people and if there's a qr code on all the products and on the back of the box if you scan it will take you to a video where i walk you through making the wings start to finish like i want to make it literally as easy as possible to have the best wings ever now, you said that this is the end of the kits. One of my questions was going to be, if you have three or four kits, is this just the beginning of what could be a, a fairly large upside of new lines to the Hey Grill Hey product line? Like a Potentially, you know, or- we're going to bring them back every year and potentially add new kits. But I think having kind of an easy button for barbecue is what I've always been about, whether that's a recipe that you can easily follow, a product that makes your life easier, um, or these kits that are really all included. So you don't have to do much with this other than buy the chicken wings, get your oil and water. Those are the only things you need to make the kit. So I wanted it to be as simple as possible. So maybe there might be, there might be more coming down the line. I know you guys opened the, or you secured that warehouse. It was like a year ago, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Have you and Todd ever thought about opening a retail store location, like a Hey Grill Hey shop? I know Malcolm has one out in Hernando, Mississippi, but you I mean you have a lot of products that are very successful. I'm sure you are fans of other products and cookers that you would could bring in, be dealers for. Any type of inclination to do that or no? It almost happened this year because we have a local barbecue pro shop that we love. Yeah. And so I would never want to open something in competition. Our town's pretty small, so I wouldn't want to be direct competitors with a store that like carries our products that we totally love. Um, but they changed ownership this year. And so the store was actually up for sale oh. for a part of the year and we almost bought it, but it would have had to carry the same name. And we would obviously want to do a Hey Grill Hey branded store if we did one. So it's not in the works right now. Maybe someday if our town grows. Um, we already are, have outgrown our warehouse, though. So we're looking for retail or I mean, larger warehouse space. We need oh. to double our warehouse capacity in the wow. next like six months or so. 
So that's a process that I don't know anything about and that we're learning as we go. I'm not asking specific numbers, but like year over year, how big is your growth been in, in like top line revenues? Um, we're seeing like 30, 30% growth year over year, which is not astronomical. It's a very manageable amount for us to grow, but we feel incredibly fortunate that we're seeing growth. Cause like I talked about, we there, the entire barbecue product community has seen that barbecue bust. Um, Mm. it's happened in search volume with recipes. Like people are looking up less people are looking up barbecue recipes and a lot of recipe websites have been hit really significantly by that, that loss. Um, less people are buying grills. We've seen that in the stock market with these publicly traded companies like Traeger and Weber that are taking hits month over month. Um, so it's, it's a tough time to be a a product in the barbecue space right now. And, uh, a lot of companies are struggling. So we're just grateful to have any growth at all, but 30% feels like a rate that we can maintain. And hopefully we'll continue to see that into the next couple of years. But my long-term goal is to be national grocery. I want to be on next to sweet baby Ray's and Hughes and all the other dude names that are on the barbecue shelf right now. How do you do that? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> all right well i can't help you great question that's I'm, what i'm trying to figure out greg <laughs> i mean i can uh, i can introduce you to dave raymond he's like my best friends and uh yeah, you know, Dave's. malcolm Listen, reed i don't know so, if you know him he does a lot of sales there are so many people that have done it so i know that it's possible um but i think we have a really great brand i think we have really great products yeah. i think we have the potential to um, reach an audience in a unique way. So maybe that'll be in our future. That's one of our goals, but I think it'll be five to seven years. Who's someone online or on TV or that you know that you just really look up to as a live fire inspiration or mentor? Oh my gosh. There have been so many over the years. Um, and I'm going to name a lot of women because those are the types of people that have kind of opened a lot of doors for me mentally. Um, I, have always loved Leanne since the first season of watching her on television, cooking with all the dudes in the competition space and being like, Oh, there's room there. So cooking against Leanne in the finale of that show, I was like, I think I'm dying. Am I dead? Is this reality? Like what is happening? So that was one of the most unbelievable experiences. Um, I have never, (laughs) I have never worked up the courage to actually introduce myself to Melissa Cookston. I have literally just admired her from afar for a very, very long time. We were around the corner from each other at Memphis in May and she always just looks so busy. So I don't want to bug her. Um, But I absolutely love her. Her cookbook is fantastic. Smoking in the boys room is a great one. Um, Tina Cannon is another one that she was on Netflix uh, a couple of seasons ago. And I think she just has such a refreshing approach to barbecue because she's just doing it her way. And she's bringing in flavors that she likes and appreciates. Um, Christy Vanover and uh, Keita Roberts have always been people that I've looked up to that started either around the same time as me or before me that have just kind of held my hand and we've held each other's hands as we've tried to navigate this. Uh, Mary Pressler from Vindulge. Uh, if you guys haven't heard what they're doing right now, she's going to be on the show in a couple weeks, believe it or oh not for the first gosh. time. Uh, make her talk about her barbecue sauce. You must make her talk about her barbecue sauce. Their cookbook is amazing. They just came out with a red wine barbecue sauce that with the wildfires, um, in California, they were not able to salvage a lot of those grapes because they tasted smoky when they made the wine and uh, they took uh. that 
and turned it into their base for their barbecue sauce, which is absolutely so gourmet and bougie and unbelievable. Their creativity knows no bounds. And I have just the most respect for them in the world. So I've been incredibly fortunate to be mentored by so many people, um, even simultaneously as we've tried to build our businesses together. It's, It's an amazing community to be a part of. Susie, you've said it all here this evening. I appreciate the honesty and the candor as always. If you are a fan of Susie and you're not following her on social, shame on you. You should be doing it at Hey Grill Hay on most of the social media handles and websites. Or just go to the main website, HeyGrillHay.com, and see what's happening there. Buy all the products. You're going to love them, especially this new wing kit uh, for 35 bucks. It'll cook 10 pounds of wings. So maybe you're having an army over one night or you can spread it up over a couple of weeks or over some football season weeks, whatever you got. It's Susie Bullock. Susie, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you one more time before the end of the year. Perfect. I can't wait. All right. See you then. (laughs) Susie Bullock right there. It's a lot of great women that she mentioned, and she's like, I couldn't work up the nerve to say hello to Melissa Cookson. Well, guess what? Melissa Cookson is going to be on the show here shortly, too, believe it or not. Very excited. She mentioned two people that are going to be on the show. Now, Melissa's been on the show a number of times over the years. Uh, But Mary Kressler will be on for the first time. That's maybe towards the tail end. I don't know. Whatever. But soon enough. Can't expect me to have all the guests memorized through the months. What am I, a maniac? Listen up, gang. Our friends... And Big Papa Smokers have something especially for you, the listeners of this show. Whether you're a seasoned pitmaster or a grilling newbie, Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop shop for all things barbecue from their championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories. They've got what you need to take your food to the next level, whether both on the competition circuit or in the backyard. Here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal. Use promo code REMPE at checkout. That's R-E-M-P-E or Romeo Echo Mike Papa Echo. You'll get $10 off your next purchase of $50 or more. That being rubs, sauces, accessories, a combination of all of those above. Imagine the possibilities. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa Smokers Sweet Money. Add Big Papa's Desert Gold to your chicken or vegetables. Pick up some double secret steak rub and put it on your steak. The possibilities are interest. <laughs> what? The possibilities are endless is what I meant to say. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start shopping today. And don't forget to use the promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, at checkout to claim $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Easy. Free money. You love it. Don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of recipes at cookingwithbigpapa.com. And, of course, follow them on all the social media platforms. Same handle, Big Papa Smokers. We're going to talk about Memphis in May and get you caught up right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.
Full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. All right, welcome back. We thank Susie Bullock for joining us last segment and a couple minutes extra. HeyGrillHey.com, our website. And don't forget to check out the new Wing Night Smoked and Fried Wing Kit that's available for sale. 35 bucks. Come on now. I would like to say that this weekend feels like a smoked fried chicken wing, but we got logistics going on. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it might not. But soon enough, it will. What I'm most interested in trying is really pressing the crunchy coating to the test. Because I agree. You get something hot, you go ahead and start to put something goopy on it, and then it's going to be... You're either taking out the flavor that you'd already put on it, or it's not. It's just going to be rubbery. So, come on. I'm ready to go for wing night. Trying the smoked and fried wing kit from HeyGrillHay.com. Let's get you up to speed on what's going on at Memphis in May. Uh-oh. If you're not following me socially, you have no idea what's going on since we talked about it last week. Here's a quick recap. We talked about the invoice that was sent from the MRPP, which I will refer to it as ongoing, the Memphis River Parks Partnership. I will now call it MRPP for short. They sent that to MIM, which of course stands for Memphis in May, which of course is short for Memphis in May International Festival because there is an accompanying, there is an accompanying music festival in advance of the Memphis in May barbecue competition, if you didn't know that. So it's like a two-week event, one week of music, and then the second week of barbecue competition. So the invoice was sent, and the staggering amount of 1.425 and loose change over to Memphis in May due by August 12th, three days ago. We dug into some of the particulars of that invoice to include the large concrete and asphalt costs that were associated with the event this year. We also talked about the real possibility of how Memphis and May would likely have to change venues in order to stay around. And that most likely would be moving out of Tom Lee Park, of course. Well, things have updated since last Tuesday. So now we'll get you up to speed on what's happening right now. I talked last week about how I had sent out numerous emails to the River Parks Partnership and Memphis and May River Parks Partnership gave me one email back in a fairly timely fashion. Memphis and May was radio silent through my three or four initial emails. I also emailed outside of the show or after the show last week saying, hey, do you have any intention on paying the outstanding invoice? Now, the invoice total of 1.4 back out all of these deposits that were on there. So the effective invoice amount was still big, like $675,000 in loose change. And I said, do you have any intention on paying this? Are you going to file a lawsuit? Are you going to change names and do like trucking companies do and open up under another name down the street and try and get rid of it, whatever? And I did 
get an email finally yesterday from Memphis of May. Now, much to my dismay, it looked like they were sending out the same email to all news outlets regardless. So if you were local Memphis, you got the same email that I got to the Barbecue Central show, which now they did address it to me. So it says, hi, Greg. And then everything else sounded the same. Thank you for reaching out to us again. We have submitted a claim with our insurance carrier and we will have a statement at the appropriate time. Regards, love forever, Memphis and May. Uh-oh. There was also an email sent out to Memphis and May teams from the CEO of the Memphis and May International Festival, James Holt, and it read like this, and I quote, Dear Memphis and May competition teams, we are grateful for the care and the extra attention to protect Tom Lee Park extended by all competition teams this year. As usual, when the needs arise, Memphis and May World Championship Barbecue Cook Teams come through. Thank you. All things considered, we felt the park was in good condition after the festival, thanks to everyone's efforts and limited rainfall during the event. Uh, Not to contradict and jump out of this email, but Susie Bullock said that place was a wreck. (laughs) However, on the evening of August 2nd, we received an invoice from the Memphis River Parks Partnership to the tune of $1.425366 million to restore Tom Lee Park following our 2023 event. We have submitted a claim with our insurance carrier, as was suggested by Mayor Strickland and the Memphis City Council. The sum of the invoice is approximately 23 times the average restoration expense we've experienced in the past decade for our prior use of Tom Lee Park and includes expenses such as, by the way, before I get into the expenses, which we already know about, the 23 times the average restoration expense, they're clocking that at the average of $61,832. So depending on which number you want to look at, either the $1.425 million or the effective amount after deposits at $675,000. I'm no mathematician, but going off the lower number, that's $614,000 higher than it ever has been over the last decade. Then you have concrete at $525,000, asphalt $284,000, grass at $177,000, landscape repair at $114,000, General conditions, project fees, blah, 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 160, almost $166,000. He goes on to say, in addition to the special care for the TLP or Tom Lee Park that everyone extended this year, Memphis and May invested approximately $200,000 in supplementary measures specifically to protect the park, such as additional ground cover, labor, signage, and public relation efforts. Considering the final park design and the extraordinary punitive restoration fee, Memphis and May is exploring venue options other than Tom Lee Park in the future. Uh We regret this circumstance and appreciate all the hard work and understanding from Memphis and May competition teams over the past several years, as this is not the outcome that we have been working so hard to achieve. Rest assured... The Memphis and May World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest will go on in 2024 and into the future. We are currently working to identify a new location for the contest. We'll keep you posted. Finally, please note that we've mailed out the team deposit refunds this week as well.
So in one paragraph, we might look for new areas for the Memphis and May going forward. The last paragraph, we are currently working to identify new locations for the contest and we'll keep you posted. Again, President James L. Holt, who is the president and CEO of Memphis and May, I reached out to him personally, asked him to come on the show. I have heard nothing in reply. In an article that ran on a local affiliate in Memphis, W-R-E-G or W-E-R-G, it's one of those call letters, something around those words. Memphis River Parks is quoted a number of times in an article that's doing a little back and forth on what each of these companies is going through right now. There was a portion of this article that, to me, superseded anything else that was going on in that article that was written. It was this statement coming from the Memphis River Parks Partnership CEO, Carol Coletta, as she was discussing how the rebuild of Tom Lee Park was not just something that Memphis River Parks Partnership wanted to do and execute unilaterally. No, no. She says the following, and I quote, We're disappointed because the park was built to the specifications given to us by Memphis and May. I, for one, hope their new venue is downtown. So as it sits right now, here's what we know. Memphis and May has filed a claim with their insurance company to pay for the damages. Does anybody in the instant chat, does anybody in the podcast that even cares about this, maybe some of you don't even care about this, and you're like, oh, for the love of all that's holy, leave me alone on this. We've had enough of Memphis and May talking. Well, it's top of mind here, and it's a big story. But is there anybody listening right now live or on podcast that thinks the insurance company is going to pick up the tab to the tune of either six hundred and seventy five grand or one point four two five million? I don't. The CEO of Memphis and May sent a letter that states they will not be not Andrew, you are not, not returning to Tommy Park for future Memphis and May events. And the Memphis River Parks Partnership said they're disappointed in all of this talk because the park, this is the most mind-blowing sentence that's happened in the last two weeks or three weeks or a month or however long this has been going on or brewing. They're disappointed in all of this talk because the park was built to the specification that Memphis and May gave them. The same question goes out to everybody listening right now or in podcast. Does anybody believe that? That Fs with my mind. The likes I can't even begin to compare recently. What they're saying is this. <laughs> what they're intimating is this. And nobody's confirming this on the Memphis of my, uh, the Memphis of May site. It sounds like Memphis River Parks Partnership and Memphis of May collaborated, got together. Each one had separate committees. Those committees got together to form another committee. And Memphis River Park said, hey, how do you want to see Tom Lee Park? And Memphis and May said, Tom Lee Park should be set up like this because we have this uh, music festival and then we have this barbecue festival. So we would like to see all these things happen. And Memphis River Park said, we would love to collaborate with you on this. So we want to make all these things happen for you. So you have this great event every year and it's on the river. And everybody knows about it. It's been going on for like 50 years, whatever it is. 
yeah, well, we agree that we would love to see it like this. Memphis River Park, we're going to build it so you can see it like this. This is going to be great ongoing. It's going to be a love fest forever. And then what the hell happened? Get that big stuff out of here. Everybody I've talked to that was down there in the new park configuration is looking at it going, what the fuck is going on around here? It worked for the last 40 years because it was a field of grass and it rained and it was a mud fest every single year forever and ever. Amen. But it worked because it was just a big open ass space. So you could run load in and load out and have the Memphis and May blues festival or music festival, whatever the hell it is called. And it didn't matter. And then you install like a real park with cement and asphalt and landscape and sodding and irrigation and dandelions. It's not conducive to putting in a bunch of teams. How do we know this? Because they've reduced the amount of teams that were allowed to even go in the park. So it's moving. Now, where is it going to move? I've heard Nashville in May sounds good. I know Malcolm down in Hernando, Mississippi wants to have Malcolm in May down there. No doubt. I'm sure he would be a major sponsor and spokesperson of that if they could happen. I have no idea what the surrounding area of Memphis looks like. Here in Cleveland, you could run out to Lakewood, or you could go to Solon, or you could go down to Strongsville, you know, northeast and west of downtown Cleveland if it got kicked out of there. You could bring Memphis in May to Bomb City, USA, and have it on Burke Lakefront Airport. You have all the space you want, all the concrete. You could shut down the jets from going in there, as many teams as you want. Cleveland in May. Only problem with that, Cleveland in May is probably going to be snow. I don't know what the opportunity of moving this is. Number one, to any venue that can accommodate it. Is there any city around greater Memphis that wants to deal with something like this? And then number two, is it going to be a money loser? When it went to Tiger Lane last year while the park was being done, it was a money loser because it was off Beale Street. We're going to have to see. That's where we're at right now. That's what we know. And again, the most staggering thing to me is it's being put on like this whole rebuild and rephasing of Tom Lee Park was done as a collaboration between Memphis River Park's partnership and Memphis and May. Does anybody believe that? All right, let's wrap this show. Stick around. Be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. We will follow the Memphis and May saga as it drags on here over the next weeks and months and I'll report only the highline items. I won't be doing any more unless something crazy happens and then I'm going to have to do another segment of course. Until then just know that we'll be updating the highline items going forward. All the way back in the first hour we had 
Stephen Reichlin, barbecuebible.com. Then it was West Wright after him, and then Susie Bullock in the second hour with a new smoked and fried wing kit. Get it now, 35 bucks, hayrohay.com. Big show planned for you next week, so tune in for that. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your proud host, uh, this is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Hi, this is Molly Storm from Stowe, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central.